Welcome back to Overanalyze, where we talk about the most mundane or very important things to talk about. <laughs> How you doing, Jin? Pretty good. Some recent big changes for both of us, more so for you, but uh, <laughs> definitely a lot of interesting things happening. Also, just both personally in our lives, but, you know, around the world as well right now. So, particularly in our country with just so many things going on on top of the pandemic. So, a lot to talk about. How have you been doing, Alec? What's what's new? Well, I, I'm glad you brought that up, actually. I think it's it's worth addressing at the top here, because I mm-hmm. think the last time we recorded was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, May 15th. That was probably my, I think it was my last day at APL, right? And yeah, wow, a lot of things have happened. I think one of the silver linings of the pandemic I was saying this to one of my friends the other day is that it's allowed us to all slow down and focus on some of the important things. So hopefully uh, some of the injustices that have been going on for far too long get addressed while we can keep our attention on it rather than getting swiftly uh, to the next news cycle. I think it's worth just saying right now, like Black Lives Matter, we believe that and hope that something good comes out of all this, right? It's horrible that people passed away and it's horrible that this has been going on for so long and it took a moment like this for maybe something to change. But I I do feel like changes in the air. Uh, One of my friends was quick to correct me, be like, we weren't around in the sixties. Like we can't say like what that felt like, which I think is extremely fair. But I think in our lifetime, this is a a definite moment. Yeah, absolutely. And it's always, it's always very sad that it, it takes the death of people to really shake our country really to the core here. But I'm at a point where, you know, I've been thinking more and more about this stuff too lately. And it's it's funny because it's almost harder for me now to find the right words to describe how I'm feeling and kind of the various things that are going through my head about, you know, privilege and things we didn't grow up needing to worry about, but is very much still an injustice and is still a huge problem. So there's a lot to think about, a lot to go through. I personally am also hopeful. I see a lot of the silver lining, like you said, Alec, out of everything that's been happening, out of the protests, out of the awareness. I mean, just about everybody, my manager and above, which still has a lot of lines of people (laughs) above me, has sent emails out about all this, about, you know, their dedication to really changing. And And the important thing is to be everybody's humility, to be open to being educated, about everything that's going on versus I think kind of a shirking away from this because, oh, it doesn't impact me or, oh, because I'm not a racist, right? And it's very much something I see now where people are realizing we're all involved in this, regardless of whether we acknowledge it or not. And and it's just good to be educated about it. Definitely just amazing to see you know, reading the news, I think more recently, you know, you hear a lot more positive stuff now too, just about reforms that are actually happening around the world. Um, sorry, around the country. Um, keep saying world. It just feels I mean, like, but there it's are so protests bigger. around the world though. No, it that's is true. Global. That's I mean, true. This, at this point it is a global moment. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Just like the pandemic. I mean, there were, uh, yeah. there were protests on our behalf, essentially. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I love it. One of my friends is from the UK and he's like, you always have to best us. He's like, we had <laughs> Brexit, then you had Trump. It's like, <laughs> You can't just <laughs> leave well enough alone. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Definitely, I think it's worth mentioning this at the top of the episode here. Um, yeah, it's not something we can we can or should or, you know, definitely ignore anymore. Um, so 
uh, the more the more this gets some, I think, attention, the better. Yeah, and we'll leave some links in the show notes of ways that you can help. I know that this podcast is coming far later than most of the podcasts you probably heard talk about this, but uh, we don't record as often. So uh, this is uh, the first chance we've had. Mm-hmm. With that, we're not going to spend the whole episode talking about how crazy the world is. We want to first talk about the little cliffhanger at the end of the show last week, or whatever it was we recorded. Me, you know, leaving APL, changing jobs, changing a lot. And then also June's had some changes lately. And then we'll get into some of the other classic overanalyzed content. So June, I started a new job. Been there about a month. Actually, uh, to the day. To this, this is the 18th. That was my first day. So uh, that's good. Okay. It's been a month. It involved a hospital stay. (laughs) (laughs) It was a near-death experience. (laughs) (laughs) Not near-death, but uh, I've been better. I've been better. Don't worry, guys. Everything's fine. But I found out I have a disposition towards blood clotting, and I may have had a pulmonary embolism that put me in the hospital. (laughs) No big deal. Um, But yeah, that was my first week. I actually did orientation from the ER. That was awesome. Kept that webcam off and on mute. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Most people, like, they only told us to put on a webcam at one point, and they actually never got to me. So I was like, oh, perfect. I don't have to, like, come on and... They were like, only if you want to, though. And I was like, I don't want to. That that would have been a great... You know, nobody would have forgotten you. You would have been... You would have been on everybody's... <laughs> you know, it's just like, who's this guy, like, in an ER? In the hospital. Yeah, In the yeah, hospital yeah, gown. Dialing into like, the, the, the orientation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. in, a, in a hospital gown and all that stuff, yeah, man. He's got beeps and boobs. They have an EKG on him 24-7. Yeah, good times. <laughs> Yeah, but in all seriousness, uh, yeah, that was that was fun. Uh, but I'm doing all right now. I got I got my blood thinners for probably the rest of the life. Awesome. Um, but no, I I started. I work on um, the Azure team, so I'm working on a bunch of different things. Um, Azure is incredible. <laughs> like I I legitimately am like, oh wow, that's pretty cool. Like I didn't realize you could do half the stuff that you can do on Azure, and um, just how easy it is and all that good stuff. Although I think the UI could use some work. I have some real quirks about the UI. The save button is either on the bottom or the top. It's like not consistent design language. And I'm like, come on, guys. Got to tighten up the (laughs) the usability here. It's cool. uh, Because of the pandemic and I can't go to the office, I actually am working on the Azure public team. But eventually I'll start working on different clouds that they also support. So uh, it's been cool. And I think the hardest part right now is working on a West Coast time uh you know time zone because basically everyone i work with is in redmond uh so i uh start work a lot later now and i work a lot later just kind of shifted a little bit but because of the pandemic too like i don't care you know it's (laughs) no different than me i try to get off work when rachel arrives but usually that's late enough that i don't really mind Hmm. i've met like a couple people so far because i had to go in the office a couple times and there are a few people still reporting uh mostly i've been working from home and uh using windows i bought a mouse again uh because windows and the trackpad are not really all that great and uh yeah i don't know june it's been all right (laughs) i mean onboarding's hard right onboarding's always hard but i think in a pandemic it's worse (laughs) they're not used to doing it this way they're used to you sitting right next to them they're used to just uh, hear a little question and uh the asynchronous nature of chat makes it harder Granted, they're probably being more productive, right? <laughs> you know, because uh, onboarding is always pretty tedious on the other person. Yeah, you know, it definitely slows them down. But 
yeah, it's been it's been hard onboarding uh, by myself, but I'm trying my best, you know. And I think eventually I'll be all right. I think one of the things that's interesting, and I don't know if this is content they normally do or content that they uh, figured because of the pandemic is worthwhile. But they were like, "Be easy on yourself. It's going to take months for you to be like." competent or useful or feel good at your job again because you probably all felt like real good at your job before and now you're not (laughs) and i i definitely uh relate to that right like i felt pretty comfortable where we were at apl and like everything was like i mean it was hectic but like i had my head around it you know what i mean whereas now it's just hectic and i don't know what's going on and i get bazillion emails uh (laughs) and i'm like what is going on do i need to get this email (laughs) That's actually something I will, I will say. Like I had to set up rules very quickly. I never in my work career have I set up rules for email, but there's so many automated emails. It's unbelievable. Automated emails within the company? I'm surprised you're getting so many emails when you've just started. Yeah. So like anytime someone sneezes on Azure, I get an email about it, <laughs> apparently. Like every single pull request, every, I don't even think it's all of Azure either. Like, I think it's just like my division, which is like enough, like every pull request, I get an email. So there's like hundreds of those. I get, Mm. uh, emails about like if things fail and I'm like, I don't care if things failed like yet, (laughs) you know, Uh, I, most my understanding is that most of these emails, like you only care if you were the one who did them and you need to filter it out such that like, if you're in the two line, like, (laughs) I'll care, but if it's just like I'm the CC, yeah. you do not care. There's a big like CC culture, a lot of like surveillance and like I guess not sur- like I, I mean, that's a wrong word, but like situational awareness emails. They're like abundant, and I'm like, no one has time to read all this. Like, hmm. oh, that's interesting. Okay, it's unbelievable. I mean, if I pulled up my email right now, I, I probably last time I I like inbox zeroed it all. Um, you know, all the folders like zeroed those out. It was probably maybe like two days ago. And I guarantee I have like probably 600 of them. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I I guess, yeah. I mean, it depends on what tool you use, but tools I've used in the past where like, uh, you know, maybe CICD tools that, you know, do things like continuous, you know, builds and things like that. Yeah, you can set it up to like constantly send you notifications, regardless of whose pull requests of, you know, whose build is is getting kicked off and blah, blah, blah. Uh, But those tools I've used in the past, which is actually TFS, it was a Microsoft product, Team Foundation Server, it it let you customize how the um, notifications get sent out. So like, yeah, you can do the filtering on your email, but you, you know, you're, you're not really reducing overall email traffic, right? Whereas like just changing those settings on the notifications, um, settings in my account in TFS at least helped just overall reduce that. Cause yeah, I don't care about Joe Schmo's check-in. All right. Unless like, and, and if he, if he wants me to care, he'll create a, you know, um, he'll add me as a reviewer for a code review or whatever. And, you know, right. Then it goes through that route, but yeah, I don't care about his pull request though. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. It's crazy. Also like, welcome back to the world of pull requests. I mean, we were in the wild west where we just merged a master baby or merged to main. Cause we're changing that. that that's You're something from the hip. <laughs> yeah. Is, how do you feel about that? By the way, GitHub is like changing master to uh, reduce like any slave connotations. They're changing anything to main. How do you feel about that? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, sure. That that makes sense. I've used those interchangeably in the past. I'd be more interested in like (laughs) 
some of the standards we have you know what i mean like in in like when we use terms like master slave like slave, right. you know yeah, yeah those types of wireless communication protocols and things like that where that comes <laughs> up a lot i'm like eh, what do we do about that we, do we contact ieee here and <laughs> yeah, yeah. i i know i i always remember in uh or in college when we learned about master slave and i was like this is an interesting choice of word um, yeah so the funny part is like I always had that connotation. I imagine like you know you could say a branch was like quote unquote a slave, and I think somewhere in some spec like that mm-hmm. was the idea, like where it originated from. But I was like, oh man, that kind of makes me sad because I always thought a master as like the gold master of, uh, you know, an album press, right, mm-hmm. or like a, like the musical mastering. That's how I always like envisioned master in my head. And actually, I've been guilty of using the term master like as my. Uh, uh, algorithm like internal variable right like the final value i would consider master because like at the end like that's the final like good value and that's why i want to return so like hmm. i uh i've been i've done that before and now like i'm like oh i i've been a, a closet racist now i mean no, i just like <laughs> i no it, but in all seriousness i was like oh man like maybe i, I should probably change that uh that and also i've seen like a big push to like change whitelist and blacklist to allowed and like unallowed or mm. uh you know mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. like that and i was like oh wow that's like an interesting like i never really like thought of it that way yeah but hey whatever like that's like not even a price to pay it's just like a change of words who cares you know right yeah i, I want to go back real quick to something you mentioned earlier about onboarding you know, remotely and how tough that is. You know, the one thing I'll say with that, because I, I completely can see how tough that would be in this environment. And I'll say that, you know, a lot of people I feel like would think, oh, um, you work with computers, you do software development. Isn't that pretty much already like an isolating job? But like, you know, you can pretty much do that wherever, you know, on a beach, you know, it doesn't matter. I will say there are certain advantages to being able to work remotely because you do software development, but that doesn't mean that onboarding is, you know, there's no difference in onboarding remotely versus actually being with a team that you're, you're, you're both meeting in a social perspective, like you're interacting socially in that in-person context, but also you just have someone you can ask right around, you know, there's never going to be a a full virtual replacement for face-to-face communication, regardless of what job you have. You're going to have to talk to people. You're going to have to interact with them. And from a, just a team building perspective, it's so much harder, like to do that right now uh, with everybody working from home. I'm in the position where I I have guys who are coming in and doing the onboarding uh, on my team. And I'll say like, that's been hard. Like just um, it's doable, but it's nowhere near what I would like in trying to actually, you know, meet these interns and get to know who they are and have them learn more of the culture of the lab, right? And to sort of partake in, I mean, all the missed uh, freaking social events, right? All the the uh, yeah. the concerts, the beer events, all the all the events with booze, like gone, yeah. you know. And like, yeah. how do the interns want to come back? <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, no. It's just there's a lot of stuff, um, you know, like yeah, that that does make it hard. And even from just like a development perspective, my office our development environment is all co-located. We share this one huge lab where everybody's, all the, all the developers are in there and you got a question, you know, you're, you're bound to be able to find somebody to go ask that question instead of like, 
this like disjointed set of emails that you have this kind of disjointed conversation, right? That's just, there's no fluidity. There's no um, body language. There's no, you know, understanding other things. Um, so yeah, it's overall tough, uh, regardless of what kind of job you've got. Yeah, you can SSH into work and still code, but eh, it's it's not the same. <laughs> it's not the same. And I think another interesting thing is it, it's abundantly clear that Microsoft is like incredibly about, uh, they love, they. I mean, like there's people on the team over where I work now in Reston uh, that are, like love going out there, right? They love going to Redmond and traveling. And uh, there's definitely this interest in like, meeting people face to face and like having like, you know, going out to dinner afterwards or whatever. And like really getting to know each other. There's definitely a big part of that in the culture. And I'm over here like, Hey, um, I know we've never like, you know, broke bread together, quote unquote, but like, can you help me with this problem? You never heard of me before, but uh, I, I hear we would have broke, <laughs> broken better by now if it was normal. So, you know, it's like, exactly. You reach out to people and it's like, I get how like, oh yeah, once they like actually know who you are as a human, they're like much more willing to help you and like, you're going to need their help. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Cause I'm over here like, so like, I've been like name dropping. I'm like, so-and-so said, uh, I should reach out to you and like try to build like, <sighs> yeah. you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you're not just like, like out of the blue. You, there's some context here for, for who you are <laughs> and why you're talking to them. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's like I didn't just like look you up on the org chart and say that's my next victim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, that's like basically the story of how I originally started the lab was like we're all down in this, you know, lab. I don't know. I basically only know the one guy who, you know, who picked me up from <laughs> from that orientation first day, right? And yeah. uh and so I don't know anybody, but I brought in my uh, my AeroPress kit, you know, my coffee making setup here, and I'm like right. over there pressing my coffee in the little coffee corner there, and like next thing I know, I'm like chatting it up with four guys about AeroPress, and guess what? One of those guys turns out to be um, like one of the guys that were helping me on the team, and there was this like instant camaraderie, you know, that um, was like, uh, you know, I felt immediately welcomed. I felt like there was no need to sort of have a pretense of um, oh. Uh, this is who I am and this is why I'm asking for your help. No, it was just right into like, yeah, yeah, you know, part of the team now. And um, there's so much for those kind of side things that I miss, you know, like, yeah. That's actually another, I guess, hard thing is at least when I went into the office, I noticed a guy had a real nice watch and I was like, oh, this guy might like, we might have a thing here. So I commented on his watch and then he like called me a term I never heard before. Uh, which apparently is like, you know, being a watch aficionado. Uh, it was some ac- acronym from online. I forget what it was now that I mentioned it, but I was like, oh, I guess I'm not like in enough, enough into the watch world to know this acronym. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we immediately like kind of got that camaraderie, like you said, because we were talking about watches, like, oh, which watches do you like? And like stuff like that. So that was a nice, like quick bit of that. But yeah, like, I only met him once or twice, you know, like I've only been in the office a handful of times. So it's not like earth shattering. Yeah. And, and we don't work on the same thing. So it's not like I have that connection with anyone on my team. That's like the biggest thing. I will say the one guy who's been helping me on board the most, like we've had enough phone calls now that things have become a little bit more human, you know, where he's like, mm-hmm. I need to take a break. Like <laughs> I'll be back, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like I'm going to, go do this for like 30 minutes, but I'll be back. You know, like I just need to like 
think about this and like clear my head. I guess that's actually one of the nice things I guess about working from home too is like you can kind of spread those those things out a little bit better. Like I took a a nice break a couple of days ago where I like walked to get lunch and walked back and then ate it and you know like did the dishes <laughs> in the meantime. You know, like I took a nice little adventure where you can't like really do that when you're at home. So there's pros and cons. Like or at, at work rather. I don't know, man. I'm looking forward to going back to the office. Not gonna lie, I'll be. I'm in. I'll do it. They sent out a survey, and I was like, "I'll come back immediately." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think you're also like just you're a social butterfly, so <laughs> it's very tough for you to not um, meet people too. But yeah, I yeah. I mean, in general, like even meetings. Like I'll say most, if not all, of my meetings that with my own team, where you know it could just be a, like a you know, our normal 15 daily standup, um, sometimes we'll just spend like the first three minutes of it, especially if it's a Monday, like talking about everybody's weekends, you know, like, but for some reason over Zoom now, we just don't do that. Like that just, it's a weird thing to do. It does not as spontaneous. It's not, you know what I mean? It doesn't just happen. Um, So it's a little challenging. You can do it. You can just kind of, oh, ask around, but then, you know, you've got delays. You can't see, not everybody likes to use our video. So it's just like, it's not the same. It's uh, I'm gonna tell you right now. You wanna know why? Because hmm. you're literally on the clock. You can see the number ticking up of how long the meeting's been. You know hmm. what I mean? And I'm telling you, people are like more aware of it because they just see it tick, tick, well, tick. That's tick. interesting. That's interesting. I, I think that's why. I think that's why. I don't know. I have no real reason to think that. But I was, yeah, we had one of those diversions not too long ago. Uh, it was like the first time it's happened in a month, right? Where someone was like, oh yeah, I wasn't here yesterday because like the leader of the meeting because his son graduated and they did like the whole drive-by graduation thing and hmm. he was talking about how it was a huge mess and how sad he was for his son and all that stuff. And I was like, oh look, humanity. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? right. But yeah, it's it's weird, man. And like everyone right now, like no one uses video at all. Like super duper rare. I've seen like two people use video so far. Everything's been audio only chats, which I was starting to see that trend at APL mm-hmm. as well. So I think like that's a thing where it was like the novelty of video has kind of gone away slightly and not as many people are using it as often. I don't know if you've seen that as well or if I'm just making things up. I think definitely the novelty of playing with custom backgrounds <laughs> wore off. That was fun actually. And I that was a huge part of why actually, you know, that... Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen anybody with quirky backgrounds in a long time, but that used to be a whole thing. It was like a competition, like a unspoken competition of like, ooh, who's got the best background? And uh but see, yeah, I would have never stopped that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I've been relentless with my backgrounds. Yeah. Now now everybody's just got the official like lab backgrounds and myself included. It's just like the official ones that have the, you know, the company logo and name and all that stuff with the nice like stock photo of something and <laughs> I will admit, the first time I saw that, I thought it was real legit. The second time it, I saw it, it nice. lost all its luster because, yeah. like, I thought that I thought at first I didn't realize that the lab had like issued some. I thought at first someone like really did it up. You know, they they made it, and I was like, dang, like respect. This is awesome. This looks better than your office. I've seen your office before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I mean, honestly, yeah, the the like fake office backgrounds are pretty nice. Like they're pretty convincing. Um, Mm-hmm. You know, if you have a nice, if you have a nice like uh, setup where you're lit well and the software's doing a good job, you're like, oh, I I didn't even know that you weren't there. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> like, actually, it's doing a really good job. <laughs> It'd be neat if they like somehow let you 
sort of if they had a tool to let you customize some of those backgrounds a little bit you know what i mean like change the color of the wall or like the flower yeah. you know change the what flower is there or i don't know just <laughs> that'd be kind of interesting anyways <laughs> yeah i, I I'm kind of surprised to hear that Microsoft nobody um nobody turns on their video either. It it just seems like they might have a different culture. But huh. Interesting. So I will say this, June. One thing I've also noticed so far, no women. Super low amount of women. And I think it like really has changed the work environment. Like, I'm not saying APL is perfect about this. There was definitely like a big misrepresentation of women in the workplace, but it wasn't nearly as bad. I kid you not, I have not seen a single woman yet. <laughs> that i've wow. actually interacted with i've seen them on the org charts i know they exist right <laughs> like like i know women are at at microsoft but on my team there are zero and there's like 20 people uh and on the mm. other team i've been working with there are zero and they're like 15 or 20 people right and i've like looked at other org charts and like i said like it, it's not it's not like horrible everywhere i'm like where are the women Number one priority is to somehow recruit a woman uh, to our team. Got to break the ice, man. This is unbelievable. I don't know how they can get 20 people in to hiring a team and and not have a single uh, lady yet. Hmm. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a very good ratio. I mean, you're right. The lab does seem to at least do a um, pretty fair job of that compared to my other professional experiences. Yeah. Like there's, it's undeniable. There's a, there's less women in STEM. Like it's a known problem. People are trying sure. to fix it. Blah blah blah. But like, I want you to be at the ratio or better, right? I don't want yep. you to be under the ratio. Yep. And I'm, I'd be curious to see what the ratio is at uh, Microsoft, uh, you know, company wide. But yeah, I was like, man, this is insane. Like I, at one, I've seen one female employee at. Uh, that's not fair. I've seen I've seen that several, but they are on my team. So like when I was at the office, so and I interacted with one to get my badge stuff. But of course, like you know, it wasn't it wasn't like in the technical fields. It was in HR. So like I was like we need to get we need to get going on this. Come on, guys. <laughs> so all right, I got a question. Um, we could dive in a little bit more into this, but um, I wanted I'm kind of curious too if you have any other pros and cons of working from home. Like any other pros you can think of? Um, I honestly have not had many pros. I think it's nice that I've procured my desk setup. It is to my liking, and it's pretty nice. I'm very anxious for a new iMac. If uh, that is announced at WDC, that would make it much better. But, uh, you know, this is pretty good. I like being able... This is going to sound weird. I like having headphones. Don't get me wrong. And my headphones are very nice here. Everything's great. But I like listening to music on speakers when I'm working. If, like, you know, I can. I don't know why, but uh, I do. So instead of listening with my headphones, half the time I'll listen with speakers. And I find that quite nice. I think it's because I can walk away and I still hear the music. I'm not tethered. Sure. Well, it's just a little more natural, right? You're not putting these cans on your head. Like, you know, with the sound being so isolated, well, I also think it's because I got my, uh, I, I plugged in the sound sticks again instead of my other speakers and I got that like a uh, dedicated sub and I don't have it kicking. Like I could definitely turn it up even louder, the sub uh, proportionally, 
but uh i think it's just nice to get like your your desk physically moves a little bit you know have a little bit of vibration <laughs> a little vibration yeah yeah it's That's like you listen to bass on her and you're like oh there's, yeah. a, there's a there's a tactical <laughs> element to listening yeah. to speak you know when it's on speakers that's funny yeah my coffee breaks are a little bit better than they ever used to be so when i go to make coffee now i'm like sometimes i'm even like dancing you know <laughs> yeah what about just like um what about like not dress? getting dressed yeah yeah i've been wearing t-shirts every single day and shorts like if if i got into if i dressed in any more than shorts and a t-shirt i must have had a gun against my head i'm not doing it <laughs> this is awesome like I, I like i barely put on shoes like sometimes i put on socks if it gets a little chilly you know like it's a little <laughs> too cold the acs are going a little too hard yeah like I can't be bothered. I can't be bothered to put on shoes. <laughs> can't be bothered. Yeah, at, least, at least you're wearing a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> nah, the shirt's nice. Like my apartment, unfortunately, is too variable in temperature to not wear like uh, something. Because that's actually why I put on socks sometimes. Is because my bedroom is like cold. So if I walk over there, I'm like, it's cold. And then I go into my uh, office area and it's warm. Because I, I don't know if it's because of the computers, and the monitors, or like just the fact that the air doesn't come i think it's like all three right like every there's nothing going well in this room as far as like helping it be cooler it has everything going against it yeah what would you be wearing if you went into the office what's the dress culture like dress code there oh yeah if you're wearing like anything but jeans you're probably dressed up so jeans are definitely like the base but then Uh, dress shirt or like can you do t-shirt or uh polo shirt I've seen people in t-shirts, but like it's rare. My boss said to wear a collared shirt. He's fine with polos, obviously. They have a collar. That's basically what I've been wearing. Now, like tucked versus untucked culture, that's a good question. Uh, I say there's a fair amount of untucked polos going on. Uh, I always tuck if I'm going to wear. So, yeah. Into into jeans? You tuck tuck into jeans? jeans. There's Mm -hmm. a couple I wouldn't tuck into jeans, just the way they fit. Other ones I would tuck. But, like, I almost always tuck no matter what. Like, I don't even think about it. Like, at the lab, I would almost never wear an untucked t- uh, an untucked uh, polo. So, I've kind of just, like, carry that over. I don't know. Maybe I'll untuck it on a warm summer day. <laughs> let the let the ventilation happen. <laughs> yeah, I got to get kind of have all that airflow I can get. Well, enough about me, June. I need to hear a little bit about how things have been in APL. I hear a little bit of changes have happened on your end. Yeah, basically, I am in Alex's old job. It's a very, very matrixed organization. So for people who don't really aren't familiar with like what a matrix organization is, it's basically you've got uh, you've got you know everybody essentially has at least two bosses. You've got your uh, project or program manager who essentially is responsible for the execution of the actual project or program and making sure like something gets delivered at the end of the day to your customer or sponsor or whoever, but you don't actually report directly to them. So you actually report uh, through your um, separate line side management. So they would do your actual performance reviews. They're responsible for coaching you, for talking to you through your goals and career goals. And essentially they go to bat for you. The, your line management is supposed to be there and always has your best interests, your your goals in mind to get you to where you want to be and to help you continue to develop. 
the program side is really their responsibility is is really at the end of the day they're obviously also wanting you know they should be at least a good project and program managers should also be worried about your development uh their team's development but at the end of the day their bottom line is that they need to get that thing shipped and done out the door so uh anyway so that's kind of a matrixy type of organization i guess i you call it a promotion but pretty much now am in that line side sort of first line management role now. Um, so that's going to be interesting. But yeah, we'll see. Alec did a good job. Got big shoes to fill, man. Big acting shoes. I never actually was it. You act like I actually did the job. I was acting. I was but an actor. My main role was uh, <laughs> just a software developer. I had nothing to do with uh, any of the stuff that you're talking about. It's all, it's all overly praised. Uh, I was just no. acting. You were just no. seeing a, an actor. I, I think when you came to your uh your men what is it uh your one-on-ones with me it was like i was filling in for this uh uh, i was filling in for you actually june i was acting as you before (laughs) you could take on the role all right all right all right right. that's enough that's enough uh (laughs) over over humility here um i was i was i was actually i was always asking myself what would june do it looks exactly like what would jesus do (laughs) but i was always just acting i was just an actor dude i was acting the part of section supervisor Uh, no in all seriousness i'm really happy that uh you ended up in the role i'm really glad i didn't have to choose i think there were some other really good candidates and um i think that's just a testament to uh you know how highly they must think of you so that's that's awesome that you got the role and uh i know you'll do a great job so Definitely, congratulations. Best of luck, man. I, I, I think you'll do. I think you'll do just fine. I, I'm excited to see. I guess how like I'm excited to see how you like it, and excited to see like your next steps at the lab and and all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. It was interesting actually because um, I'm. It was like efficient announce and all that stuff, but I know the core people that have been in in our section. But when uh, when our admin sent out an updated org chart with, you know, me in that role, the new role, and, like, the people in my section, I'm like, wait, that is way more people than I thought. And it turns out, like, oh, we've got two interns plus the three other people, you know, oh, wow, that immediately is already five. So, whereas in my head, I'm, like, thinking, like, th- two or three, you know what I mean? Um, I was like, okay. So apparently, the interns seem to really... Uh, Oh, and there's an open, there's another box at the bottom for an open rec that we have. So we're hiring if anybody's interested. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, so six actually, I guess. Anyways, that's also been actually really kind of fun actually is doing a lot of the interviewing. And I will say the the weird thing is I have, uh, I guess, more and more of a responsibility to make a decision on whether or not we proceed with more further interviews and i will say like i had a moment the other day where i said i basically was on the fence about somebody and then ultimately somehow convinced myself i was like okay i think i'm just gonna say no like i don't think we should proceed with you know further into the interview and that was that right like okay so we didn't go further and then later on i just had this nagging thought i was like man did I make the right choice? And like, mm. especially because that person then later, like it was kind of heartbreaking because she, she then sent an email directly to me and the other uh, interviewer. 
and was like, thank you for your time. And like, and she iterated, like she, I, I could tell, like she knew where she didn't do so well in the interview. And she was very much trying to explain like what happened and how she like would really be able to, to grow quickly into those parts where she's not as familiar and things like that. And I just started feeling like, oh no, like I had this like moment of like, did I just like ruin someone's life? You know what I mean? Like literally, like, Ooh. like yeah, there was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, you, you potentially change somebody's life, like course of life, right? Um, I can, I mean, that's a huge responsibility. So I don't know. I not that like, you know, even if we proceeded the the interview, it wasn't like ultimately we would or would not have hired her. But you know what I mean? It was still like it wasn't a final decision, um, and the final decision isn't just left up to like me either. But yeah, for me, it was like not to proceed with that interview. I was very much like, ooh, I had this like, I even found it like hard to sleep that night. I remember just like, man. Mm. So I don't know. I don't know if you've ever went through that or had that kind of experience um, when you were hiring. I was but an actor. I never acted or I never hired. I'm not kidding. Like this happens to me, dude, in jobs. When I worked at the Apple store, I never was there for a product launch. It sucked. The whole year of me acting as a section soup, I never had to hire anyone. They were in the middle of hiring you, but I wasn't involved because of of obvious reasons. Uh, (laughs) Like, I never got to do it. All I ever did was um, interview interns like try to like interview interns and they just like let me do my thing and i didn't even follow protocol i would just call them up and be like what's up and i'd ask them a bunch (laughs) of questions that like were not on the script so uh but it's interesting oh i got so much to ask you about this so first up i totally get wondering about that like course of action thing because i've totally been in those interviews too where you like know you didn't do well on a question and it could have been for whatever reasons and like right when you left you're like oh i know how to do this and i want to like prove to them I mm-hmm. you know have the ability to do it and stuff like that. But also, I'm wondering if this has happened to you. Like suddenly people are asking you questions they never asked you before, but you are inherently the same person as you were like a couple days before. It's not like you are now the section supervisor. And I remember when I became the section supervisor, they started asking me things and like respecting my opinion to a level like that never was happening before. And I'm like, same guy. <laughs> Nothing's changed. <laughs> I would say that definitely happened when I um, became a project manager. I think even technically in the system, somehow I'm still not in that role because like, like time card approvals couldn't go through me. And then it was like, oh, wait, you're, you're technically still not in the system as that new role yet. Anyway, so my point being like, I'm still fairly new to that and I haven't had as many interactions with the rest of the, uh, the section and things like that yet. That said, when I did become the project manager, I think people were a lot more like, I mean, they were very much like, okay, um, what does June want? Like, there's a lot more decision. And I remember in an email thread where there was, like, quite a controversial design about something. And I wrote back with an opinion, right? Just an opinion, just like a thought, like, oh, well, I think, uh, I feel like, you know, so-and-so is probably the better um, course of action, like, design-wise and yada, 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 right? Next thing I know, like, people are like, okay, that's it. That's it. That's what we're going with. And like, it was like later on, I didn't really realize until later on that somebody was like, um, well, uh, we did it this way. It was like so- someone explaining why we did it to someone else. And they were like, well, we did it this way. Cause June said, you know, that was the email, right? Like, like he said over email, that was, that was the way to go. And I was like, I did not like, 
I, I didn't know I had like <laughs> some like final say here. Like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, right. I oh, just always yeah. thought of myself as another like individual contributor. And it was like, oh yeah, I have an opinion here, but I don't know. I guess, yeah. When you kind of advance through your career, right. And, and you become more and more of a subject matter expert or just more knowledgeable in general. And you also have to, I think, you know, it's not just like the title, right? Like that probably doesn't hurt. Right. But as, and by the way, sometimes that also can hurt than uh, than help. But in in you know situation where like I think at the end of the day, your relationship with the other people is probably just more important, right? Like if you have a negative working relationship with someone, doesn't matter what your title is, like that's just there's no you know there's no respect there, right? <laughs> but I will say the point about like potentially being negative is if somehow you get into a situation where people may think you don't deserve that role. Fortunately, I don't think I've ever been in that situation, but I have felt like I was in that situation, if that makes sense. Especially yes. like my last role when I got hired in immediately as like the lead developer and I'm like, dude, I don't know what I'm doing. Like and and yeah, it, right. it felt like this instant like guys on my team that were in my team that I'm leading is like or they have children my age, you know, and it's like who, you know, I felt like didn't quite deserve that role and like you know you i don't know that i we might have talked about this in a past show but it was certainly a lot of pressure to perform and to really like prove myself in many ways and ultimately i think luckily i think that's always worked out pretty well despite (laughs) despite some of some of the like maybe even unnecessary pressure i put on myself but Oh yeah, you definitely put unnecessary pressure on yourself. One hundred percent, have seen it. Uh, but uh, no, I think I think it's good, right? Like overall, you get in those uncomfortable spots, and that's when you grow, right? And the fight part is, you're right. When you get into these roles, your work does carry more impact than you may have realized. And because uh, I never, as someone, and you probably feel the same way, like with a section supervising role. I was in the section before I was the supervisor. I never felt like I left the section as far as uh, my role in it. Right. I never felt like I was actually the like quote unquote, like leader of it per se. Like I understood that I was, but I didn't feel like I didn't want to like lead that way. My, my opinion of leading is like listening well. Right. And like talking to everybody and, and trying to like almost democratically present the position of the group rather than be like, you know, a dictator of like, you know, this is my opinion leading rah, rah. So yeah, I think, I think that's interesting. And I think we're probably similar in that way where we, you know, we can represent our group, but we never felt like we were, it's almost like uh, when you're in a, in a training or a group project and they're like, Oh, one person's going to present from each group and you, and you, you got chosen to be the one to present, you know, you weren't special. You just like got the short end of the stick almost. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get to the real overanalyzing topic, June. Let's talk about lunch. Specifically, we want to talk about lunch during the week when you're at work and maybe we'll talk about how like working from home has changed this, but uh Yeah. We were talking about like the cost benefit analysis of if you go out to like buy lunch out and like what you look for in a lunch, like the calories per dollar and uh, and like also like the time packing it and the time this, that and the other. I feel like lunch is this weird. 
it's this like game I have to play every day of of I uh, you know figuring out like am I gonna pack? Am I gonna eat what I packed? That's another barrier. Like, or am I gonna like go? I feel like a lot of times when I eat lunch at work, it is not just to have a scrumptious little meal. It's it's to have that collaboration that going out affords where like just eating your box lunch, like you almost never have those same interactions. So like that's almost like worth its money. It's like almost an investment in your career to have lunch sometimes. Yeah, well, I mean, there's definitely, for me at least, has been a significant difference of lunching, right, pre yeah. and post-pandemic. I mean, before, I totally agree with you. I mean, it's funny because I've ebbed and flowed. I think I've certainly had periods of my professional career where I brought in lunch, but ever since I left Lockheed, I did not have... I just stopped bringing lunch. Like, you know, when I was at uh, my last job, like everybody pretty much ate out. I mean, there were there were people who brought their lunch, but like my team just liked to eat out, right? So, and I, I mean, like you were saying, like for me to go eat out, it was a, it was you know one of the things I looked forward to right during the day, right? Like, I'm like, yeah, yeah eating lunch was something I always got so stoked about. I absolutely enjoyed it, and they they went to like interesting places too, so. So that was nice. And then when I came to the lab here, it's just like, oh, a lot of people bring their lunch. But I still, I mean, I know at least when we were at least in the same building, there were definitely times when, you know, we might bring lunch or you bring lunch, especially. I think this happened more. And I'm like, hey, you want to go so-and-so? And And it's like, yep, all right, that lunch is staying in the fridge for another day. (laughs) (laughs) I was always very easily coerced. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, you guys also had, like, things like, what was it, Black Bean Fridays or whatever? I don't remember. But Black Bean Chicken, man. Yeah. So, I will say, I from a cost-benefit analysis, though, I honestly feel like depending on where you get your, uh, where you buy your lunch and what you make for lunch, you can easily um, break even. You can easily uh, sort of, in the sense that eating out is the same cost, right? Like... Health is another dimension here that I'm not considering factoring into this, but uh, it would be, health can maybe tip the balance here, but, you know, like, if I make steaks for lunch every day, but I eat, you know, $1.50 hot dog and soda combos at Costco every day, like, obviously, Costco is going to be cheaper, right? Um, But is that going to be healthier? Probably not. So... Um, but so you're also not cooking steaks for lunch. <laughs> I just think it's a ridiculous comparison. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, yeah, it's ridiculous because because you would not fathom nuking it to reheat it. That's why. Uh, yeah, I know. I couldn't <laughs> do it as a leftover. I would have to have like brought my sous vide machine like into <laughs> into the <laughs> office <laughs> and somehow sear it. <laughs> I don't know. Bring a little blowtorch complete violation of uh of uh building policy um safety policy but i I think there were ways to do it i think the closest i got was when subway sandwiches still used to be five dollar footlongs and i was essentially able to get lunch and if i split it right and i didn't mind eating although that was hard uh, i will admit that was i think more than more off more times than not i just ate the whole footlong because i (laughs) i'm me um so but, you know, if you think about it, like, even for a $5 lunch, it's not a bad deal for all that food, right? Because, and this was before I was, like, 
this is before I was even married, I think. But um, well, five dollars is the magic number, I think. June five dollars is the magic number to this day. Yeah. Because have you ever done the math for like how much your homemade lunch would cost? It varies, right? But I I have done some maths. So like I would say my average dinner costs anywhere from three to five dollars. All things told, usually per serving. Right? But here's a secret. I don't make lunches. I make extra dinner portions. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I almost mm-hmm. never mm-hmm. I almost never make quote unquote lunch food. Every once yeah, in a while like a I would sandwich get, or whatever. Yeah, every once in a while I would get into like sandwich making for a little bit there or whatever. But I yeah, most of the time my lunches were leftover dinner items. So it's all the same mm. same kind of cost. Which is obviously less than buying out, but it's not like so dramatically different sometimes. So let me give you a, a for instance. A solid for instance is black bean. You brought it up. Black bean's big enough to have two meals. Whenever I bought it, I would frequently split it into two meals. They give you enough rice. They give you enough black bean chicken to have two nice meals. They're not like two like, oh my God, I'm so full meals. And I have eaten the whole thing before. Uh, you know, if I'm really hungry, but uh, most of the time I can get by making two meals out of it. And then it's at the, that magic $5 number and you don't feel too bad about it because you'd have to make it like that helps. <laughs> like, you know, like, oh yeah, for sure. There's the time. <laughs> time is another factor, right? Is time cooking and as well, which is, which is why when you make it for, for dinner, you make some extra portions. That makes a lot of sense. That's a lot more efficient, but yeah, you're right. I mean, I used to make sandwiches for lunch and that, and the time to make that sandwich every morning became no longer worth it for me because I don't know about you, but a minute in the morning, like at 8 a.m. before 8 a.m. is uh, not the same length of duration as a minute, you know, after 10 a.m. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the rest of the day, like yeah. a minute in the morning is way more valuable than a minute for some reason, you know, like in the rest of the day um, when you're getting ready for me at least. So yeah, no, well, it's also like it's into the whole like, working from home thing too where yeah. like suddenly you do like just in time preparation i feel like like you'd be insane to like make your lunch beforehand when you're working from home like no you're yeah make- yeah because you could just go upstairs and make it at lunchtime yeah yeah you're gonna go and make it when it's time to make it um yeah my point about the whole making sandwich thing is that what i could do was when i did make the sandwiches i kind of went overboard because i would buy like really nice bread so if you think about using two slices of a, you know, six to $8 loaf of bread, like that's at least a dollar right there for those two slices. Cause I've basically eaten at least one sixth of the bread with the two slices, right? Depending on the size of the loaf, Fair enough. um, you know, and then I'm usually slathering on like expensive cuts of salami or prosciutto, right? Like, so like that's probably Dude, another dollar or two so right expensive. there. Yeah. Lunch yeah. is expensive. Yeah. Like whenever you look at it, you're like, I can get a pound of chicken for $2 breast where I could pay like eight dollars, oh, you know, like for a pound. It's ridiculous. Of, yeah, I yeah. would go buy a, a, a rotisserie chicken for five dollars, right, from Wegmans, right, and, yeah. and boom, that that can be my lunch, <laughs> and that would be a lot of chicken. Yeah, um, but well, they're lost leaders, I think I've heard. Uh, yeah, maybe. I, I don't see chicken. how that can be. I they, yeah, seriously. it's to get you in the door. It's to get you in the door. 
They hope that you buy. Yep. They it hope gets that, me <laughs> for Costco or Wegmans. It gets me right through the door, right to the chicken, and right back to the c- checkout. Yeah. I have to put <laughs> blinders on, like not look at anything else. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's like when we did that meal. Then we ended up getting the uh, potato salad, and we got those yeah. those chips. And it's like <laughs> that's where they made their money: the potato salad and yeah. chips. Well, yeah. So, anyways, at the end of the day, my sandwich ends up being maybe like four bucks right so i'm like okay you know and the time to make it call it another dollar there right so i'm i felt like when you're right like when the lunch was about five bucks for me that felt like that was sort of the magical break-even number so i don't know i mean it's different i think if you do it for dinner and it becomes a leftover thing and you're making an extra portion it's probably not the same it costs probably a little less time again also a little less it is interesting though like I feel like it's a difference. Like, I've always noticed this, too. If you're going to eat out, lunch is the way to go. Because somehow dinner gets away from you. I don't know if they just, like, feel, like, you know, more able to charge, like, higher prices. But, like, your dinner meals cost so much. They could cost so a lot more than, yeah. uh, like, out than, uh, than any lunch could ever fathom. Mm-hmm. Another classic, like, high-value lunch, Chipotle Mexican Grill. Oh, if you get, man, if you get your bog-standard Chipotle Mexican Grill... Comes in at eight dollars for that bowl, and it's less awesome. if you get chicken. No, it, 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 after tax. I'm saying eight dollars. Yeah, but tax. it's like it's like seven ninety five, right? Like after tax. Oh, shut it! <laughs> you round <laughs> up. <laughs> I would say up. because my standard lunch at Chick Fil A now is over eight dollars because they raise their prices a little bit. I'm very con- conscious of when they break a line, a, a round number dollar. <laughs> yeah. Chick Fil A has always been a. Uh, very like highbrow, expensive fast food place, in my opinion. You can really, really rack is. up the cost yeah. at a Chick Fil A. To which I say, how dare you, Chick Fil A? You're just trying to make up for the fact that you're closed on Sundays. Like Chipotle, <laughs> <laughs> Chipotle is way better, way bit more food and cheaper. <laughs> Explain to me, Chick Fil A. <laughs> I will say, if you want good chicken, Chick Fil A is pretty good. But you're right; like it's a little overpriced compared to their competitors. Dude, like, they're the complete opposite end of the spectrum, of the fry spectrum, when it comes to, um, say, f- five guys, right? Like, in yeah. terms of quantity, all right? Every time I've ordered Chick-fil-A, I'm always disappointed by how much additional space there is in my fry container. And I'm like, dude, what are you guys doing? Like, the waffle fry is not conducive to piling them in. It's not. I'm like, I upgraded to the large fry, and I feel like I'm only getting, like, ha- half full, like, container of fries. Whereas, happens, you know, obviously yeah, Five Guys is like the complete opposite. It's like you order a small fry and they fill the rest of the bag with it. But yeah, maybe. It, so I always feel like I'm slightly not satisfied from a just like quantity perspective. Though I gotta admit yeah. their chicken is pretty damn good. Like uh, it's, it's tasty good. stuff. It's good like, chicken. Yeah. There's reasons that you yeah. buy it. But like, yeah, I, at the end of the day, I, I also had this whole like shtick for a while there when we were at NAPL where I was trying not to eat chick-fil-a or any large establishment including in including chipotle mexican girl they were in this uh same thing i was trying to eat only local places but that got hard and expensive because like all the local places the chinese place was cheaper but then like if you ate clobies it's like oh man that was expensive you know like whenever you ate mm-hmm. clobies the barbecue place because it's again they're like they're charging like that di- that dinner rate like everything there is like a dinner essentially uh yeah. they don't really have lunch portions or any lunch lunch kind of meals and then, uh, yeah, it got, it got just a little difficult. Pepper Jack subs, they have like $11 subs. They're awesome. They're huge. 
but they're like eleven dollars, and like a half yeah. sub wasn't quite big enough. Kind of classic conundrum. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Well, ever since you introduced me to that Chinese takeout place near work, I don't know if you realize, but I basically started going there almost exclusively. Um, <laughs> like yeah. I was, I was on like chatting terms with the freaking owner and she would like recognize my phone number because i would call to place a pickup order and she's like oh hi june and it's like first time she did that i was like oh we're on that level now (laughs) (laughs) it's like when you reach you know like point statuses and in like you know in restaurants right this is like for me obviously they don't have point statuses or or a mobile app but it's like oh they recognize my number so that's 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 for me the equivalent <laughs> yeah yeah i'm in the silver status now <laughs> yeah i didn't know you went there a lot i didn't realize it was every day well they they had they had one of the best you know calorie per per uh dollar right right it, it was just so high like every <laughs> you know like I, you get and it's not just like empty calories it was good calories right like you got a lot of healthy serving of vegetables depending on what you get right but the protein meat, you get a lot of yeah. meat protein um and it's it's very well cooked you know obviously the rice you get the egg roll eh, a little fried stuff but hey it's it's all around like a quite well-rounded meal that you can get for such a low price it was like it was like depending on what you get it was like 650 right for uh it's not a five dollar yeah. foot long but there is no five dollar foot longs anymore like like, yeah, like good luck right. trying to get a five dollar lunch anywhere nowadays but um for for all that for 650 i was like dude that's oh my god i'm just now remembering speaking of chinese food and takeout oh my remember haha's oh i can't forget haha's oh, oh man <laughs> <laughs> that place was special though that wasn't your chinese takeout that people are thinking of that place was no. you got your pig feet you got your pig knuckles <laughs> you got your bitter melons and your uh yeah it, it's for not for the uh, faint of heart there but <laughs> but if you want authentic chinese food that's you can go to haha's unfortunately um you know rest in peace they're not there anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's no longer haha's but yeah that place so just some context it was a place i used to get groceries at uh because it was the closest kind of the only place to get chinese groceries in around baltimore around where we lived like the east side and um so we basically uh went there for groceries and then found out they happen to also have this little like food court where they sold like food they had like picking duck you know roasted duck hanging there you know like super legit stuff and um and like i started finding out they have how much was it like four dollar four fifty dollar like oh it was it was, le- it was sub five dollar lunches that you get like white rice two huge sides like any entrees right and they load that thing up it's ridiculous and you got a soda pretty sure you got a yeah we got and you, you got, got soda, soda. You, got you, got soda you got a drink yeah in this economy it's below five dollars i mean it's no that's wonder, why they're like, no longer they're not they're around <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> Yeah, it raised our um, thin margins. <laughs> we really, uh, yeah, we really milked it. Um, that's that's their version of the roast chicken, right? <laughs> the rotisserie chicken. <laughs> Get you yeah. in. <laughs> yeah. So we used to go there all the time. It was between Thomas, you, me. Um, it was just funny. Uh, man, that was, oh, gosh. It was like it was, so good. it was like that and Richardson's were always the lunch. Well, and the Richardson's was a good dollar you had a good dollar equation there sometimes because you got that huge brisket meal for eight fifty, and I could make two meals out of it. I could get below the $5 threshold. 
Like yeah, again, true. Not that I always on, on, on the Wednesday specials. Yeah, when you yeah. get the specials on the Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh man, this is like a good value. Like once you get to that value point, you're like, oh, I'm in. I think the weird part too now, like from a working from home perspective, is I feel like real guilty having like all these tools at my disposal to make lunch and being like, you know what? I'm walking to Chipotle. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and i did it i did it just a couple days ago because i had guac mode on little east and you know you gotta you gotta take them up on their two dollar melon baller of guac like when they offer free guac you take it is that what that is i saw it in the app the other day but i didn't know what that was guac yeah, mode yeah yeah, yeah. you um, get free guac uh but how do you unlock it just by points because you collect points no guac mode just happens that- occasionally oh it's like a lottery almost like almost all my friends had gotten guac mode before i did because then i mean they they know what they're doing it's a network effect right one of your friends gets guac mode and says i want to go to chipotle and then all of you go to chipotle (laughs) oh that's funny you know what i mean i think that's what they're trying to achieve there so if it says guac mode verified what does that mean that doesn't mean guac mode verified just means that you're now part of the guac mode club you had to like enable it so to speak but um I don't think that means you necessarily have it right now. I think you would know if you had it. Every once in a while, you become guac mode positive. <laughs> Man, so their marketing team does a great job at like making. Yeah. Anyways, makes it sound so exclusive. Yeah, they also have a really good. Uh, I think their app's pretty solid. Remember your previous meals. Like you can like you know order pretty quickly and easily. But uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. But yeah, like I, I got that. But then like the other day I was like, oh man, like I shouldn't leave. Like there's food here. So then like, you know, I made stuff, but then the, the weird part is like similar. Cause we, you feel weird sometimes like in the middle of day, you know, <laughs> erecting your, you know, huge like lunch preparations. Like sometimes, you know, you're surprised how long it takes, right? Like when you're, when you haven't gotten to work yet, you know, you taking your 15 minutes to assemble lunch is one thing, but when you, when you're still working, you're like, oh yeah. Maybe I shouldn't make lunch right now, <laughs> you know, or like, I want it to take this long. But then like I remind myself to walk to get lunch anywhere where I live takes at least 10 minutes one way. So it's going to be 20 minutes just walking. So <laughs> hold your horses. It's not like, and I, I feel obnoxious ordering delivery when it's that close, you know, like, <laughs> mm. like I get, you know, that I'm saving the time of walking, but I'm like, oh, it's good. It's good, healthy nature to go walk and get it, you know? pay pay off some of those calories (laughs) yeah definitely definitely so so you mentioned you talked about how you brought in um dinner leftovers usually for lunch right yeah um when you do when you don't have leftovers from dinner and 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 if you don't go to chipotle like what else do you do for lunch i think you've just named the two things that i do (laughs) oh okay (laughs) i mean every so i'll say this every once in a while like particularly when i'm at home right uh I, I like doing these, but I always feel guilty. I like to do the frozen meals of any sort. Not like your lean cuisines or any of those. Because I feel like those frozen meals are always jokes. Like, I remember one time going to the supermarket. That was one of my schemes when, uh, when we were working at Lockheed. We would be close enough to the grocery store. I'd go to the grocery store. I'd buy frozen like meals, and I'd immediately bring them back to Newcomb, right? That was me going out for lunch. I was going to buy grocery store items, and I had done that a couple times where like I literally went to the grocery store to assemble my lunch uh, live. But those things are jokes. Like you have to spend a lot of money in frozen meals to like 
really have a nice nice meal but sometimes like i'll take like spanakopita i'll buy like you know the 12 spanakopita on the little the little thing that's lunch right there <laughs> sometimes i'm not a big fan of the frozen pizza but if i see a nice deal on a frozen pizza that looks reliable i'll do it and sometimes i'll just eat a whole frozen pizza i've been there you know put, put away <laughs> a whole frozen pizza for lunch uh hey you have an aldi near you we do have an aldi near us it's not a good aldi i believe there's like good and bad aldis yeah we've done the grocery show in the past but um so our listeners may know that (laughs) aldi Aldi used to be one of our favorite places um uh where we used to live and and i remember their their pizzas are the bomb like for they they have a take home bake pizza and they're, they're first of all like extra large size but also just the toppings are quite like really well loaded when you get like uh, meat lovers or you get a pepperoni one they don't skimp and the quality is actually pretty good and it's it's aldi so it's like dirt cheap too somehow that might be another option because then then you just bring it home pop it in the oven work for a little longer and then bing you know you've got pizza you know it's uh and for like a fraction of what you would pay for like buy it at a store so i will admit the frozen pizza is nice because it feels like a really nice treat when you get pizza for lunch so other other things i've done is <laughs> i have in our notes costco ramen bowl um so try this whole thing where i was like yeah how can we save money on our food budget because every every month i'm like uh we're we're spending too much money on food and um so at one point, I think we were like walking through Costco and I'm like thinking like, what's good thing that I can bring pretty much every day to the office, not really get tired of it and like eat that every day and have it be filling, right? Because that's the thing, like like you mentioned, like the Lean Cuisine stuff, not actually a good value. They're like 200 or 300 calories for one box. And that yeah. box is like three bucks. So we're not talking about a great, you know, again, calorie per dollar here is not very high. So... Um, it's, uh, we talk about unit calories here. Okay. That's how we compare these things. (laughs) But, uh, but the Casa ramen bowl, that was actually pretty good. And, but at the end of the day, I felt very, I always had to bring something in to supplement that bowl because it was not, you know, like, yeah, you get the little flakes and stuff, but it was, you know, 99.9% of it was noodles. Right. And like your flavored water. Right. (laughs) Um, and then the little flakes that kind of puff up a bit, but it's like, yeah, like I always have to bring like, um, something to add to it. Sometimes I brought hot dogs and I slice and add it in there. That was pretty good. Robin and hot dog. <laughs> Definite cuisine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, that was, that was, uh, dude, ramen. So growing up, actually, my parents used to make this a lot was, um, you know, if you want a quick, quick lunch or, or sometimes even breakfast, but, uh, you could, you could drop an egg, like you poach an egg while the noodles are cooking yeah, you, yeah, yeah. At, at some point when the noodles are almost done you you poach an egg and um and then you you chop up some hot dogs you throw it all in there voila you've got this like poached egg with the noodles with hot dogs and it was like it was always so good well, let me tell you about this technology this Little is something i do scallions yeah. this is something mm-hmm. i do particularly when at home again i am i have no qualms having eggs any meal of the day i'll make a scramble I'll take the lunch meat. I'll throw it in there. You know, that adds some, uh, some additional protein. And, uh, yeah, man, I'll eat, I will eat eggs any hour of any day and enjoy it. So a lot of my, uh, lunches have been just like scrambled eggs, 
It's almost exclusively yeah. scrambled egg. I, I don't really make the omelet anymore. I'm not a big believer in the omelet. I might rather just be a scramble. Wait, so hold on, pause. Are you, you mean like you will still make what would be considered an omelet, but just with all the all the all the fixins mixed into with the scrambled egg? Yes. Like basically the same content as an omelet if you have like things in the omelet, but just you know scrambled. Yes. Oh, okay. Not just eggs, right? And just eggs, right? Like, do or mean? do you just do eggs? Because when I do an omelet, like, I stuff it with peppers, mushrooms, cheese, you know, bits of bacon. Yeah, ham, I'll, whatever. I'll, have that, I'll have that in my scramble. Okay, okay. That's part of your scramble. All right. Yeah, yeah, I just want to make sure. When you say scrambled eggs, it's not just, like, Some just people call scrambled. It sca- just- I mean, sometimes it is just scrambled eggs if I don't have anything oh, else okay. to put in. But, like, yeah, I, I always, I don't make an omelet anymore. I, I don't believe in, in creating this, you know uniform pancake of of egg and then like folding it over my <laughs> toppings like no i don't mess with that i just scramble it all up <laughs> i don't overcook my egg in the pursuit of a little pocket you know like <laughs> let's scramble this thing up yeah yeah i i will say um since we're talking about eggs uh, fried eggs has kind of been like where it's at for me lately I mean, scrambled eggs is good and all, but I feel like in order for me to be satisfied, I end up eating a whole dozen eggs. Like, it just, <laughs> at the, you know what I mean? But when you're frying an egg, because the, the yolk is still so, like, there, and, like, I, I love it runny now, too, because I used to hate it runny, but okay. after marrying Carolina, like, she converted me. That was another point of conversion in my life is, like, runny eggs. And, uh, and, and you know, when you eat one fried egg, it just feels so much more filling because of the runny yolk, which you can, like, mix it up with the rice or, you know, dip, you know, your 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 bread through it or whatever. Like, ah, it's so good. And um, and so just, like, two, two or three, like, you know, fried eggs for me is, like, damn, that's a lot. But when it's scrambled for, for some reason, it, I'm, like... I can't, I don't feel full until I, like, I eat 12 eggs, you know, it's. <laughs> That's actually a really good point. I never thought about it, but you're 100% right. Scrambled egg, for some reason, like, doesn't have the same level of sustenance as a fried egg. And I'll take you one step further. You might be thinking to yourself, oh, Alec, you just admitted, like, the yolk runniness, uh, you know, the bread. No, I'm saying you even take all that out, like, egg for egg, just different preparation styles. When you have a sunny uh, side up egg. I'm guilty of this, June. If I don't have any bread to dip, I can't lose any of that yolk. So one big bite, I just take that whole, uh, and I just go, bloop, you know? It's flexible, so it can, you can do that. You just fold it on itself, essentially, in your mouth, and you're good to go. And you get this explosion of, of taste. You get all the yolk and all the white all at once. You mean <laughs> you literally put an entire fried egg into your mouth all at once? Yes, sir. <laughs> wow. You've never done this before? Okay. Yes. No. Uh, you should try it. It's all. It has never even crossed my <laughs> mind. Although now, now you've tempted me. Um, I feel like I still use a fork and knife on my uh, fried egg. Like I feel like I can easily get like, you know, four or five bites out of that egg. Um, I mean, but, you can. Damn. I'm not saying yeah. you can't, and I'm not saying that you should necessarily do this. But I'm saying sometimes, <laughs> you know, let, let me put it this way too. If I do that, that plate is basically not even dirty right like the egg was on it for like 15 milliseconds okay. sometimes sometimes you don't have to even introduce a plate you can just take it from the skillet uh, okay that's that's a little hot into the <laughs> that's <metal>. a little, uh, <laughs> oh man you just you just suspend it in the air with the your, your fork for a little bit you, you know? just blow on it, blow on it. <laughs> you 
your phone a little bit, and you're good to go. And you just slide that egg right on in. Oh, jeez. <laughs> now, oh, okay, funny. you fry your egg. How do you season it? Just salt and pepper. Salt and pepper. Classic. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I don't think we ever do anything else. Why? You would you throw some like cayenne and pepper on there or what? <laughs> I mean, you mix it up sometimes. On the fried egg, yeah. not so much. In the scrambled egg, the world is your oyster. Scrambled egg, you can introduce dill and garlic tastes. You can take you can bring in paprika. You can bring in uh old bay, it's a classic. You can really uh do a whole bunch of different uh different techniques. Salt pepper is fine. Totally fine, totally acceptable, a great classic alternative. I particularly like the dill. Have you done this before? No. You know oh, what? Man, I, I'm not out. a huge fan. I'm not a huge fan of dill, so maybe oh, get out maybe of that's here. Why. Get off this podcast. All right. Where's the egg call? <laughs> <laughs> Where's the unfriend button? Huh? <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, I, the egg is a classic lunch option. Sometimes I'd even make eggs for lunch and bring it into the office. I just eat scrambled eggs. I don't care. Watch out. And the cost per dollar and calorie, unheard of with the egg. The egg is the winner. You can get 30 eggs for like $4, okay? I mean, not organic, free range, but yeah, sure. I never have cared one minute about where <laughs> the uh, this egg came from. Yeah, you've no, like, so, okay, hold on, that's interesting. So you've never bought organic egg or like free range eggs or it's always just been I, like the cheapest egg? No judgment here because like no. that's okay. All right, no, maybe maybe, that's right. maybe out of necessity if they had no other egg option. There's been like it's funny that you mentioned this. So very briefly during the pandemic, we looked into uh, you know Whole Foods delivery. I heard it was is different now that Amazon's come through, but no, it wasn't different because every egg was this hoity toity egg, and I'm like six dollars for a dozen eggs. <laughs> what? <are> you, what? <laughs> I'm like, no way. No way, Jose. I'm getting 30 eggs for $4. <laughs> 30 eggs. 30 eggs for $369, actually. That's the actual price. $369. 30 eggs. I'm not even going to do the math, but it was cheap. You know, like, I love it. And the eggs, it's a great egg. But I think you're going to tell me that the eggs are better. The free ranged eggs, are they better? The brown eggs, are they better? So, okay. Just the brown, based on my experience, no, not necessarily. Honestly, I think the only real difference I've ever had, like the where I was actually noticed the difference in the egg uh, taste, was when I had eggs like fresh from in like when I was in Colombia, like fresh from like a farm, you know, like like <laughs> pooped out you know, that morning. That, that was yeah. I mean that's, I mean that was like first of all the the egg itself was the most deep like deep orange like yellow I've ever seen. Uh, it was a very deep uh, like shade of of orange and that that like i could just i taste the difference was amazing but i mean yeah at the end of the day it's like the eggs i eat i i I was actually gonna say like i don't quite i wasn't gonna say anything from a taste perspective it was more actually um i was curious if you did it from just like a uh, a health perspective of like hey eggs being produced with you know from chickens that are you know you know, in particular, I mean, there's like people who do it for, uh, for ethical reasons, right? Chickens that are in these like coops, then they're like, you know, like don't live a great life, blah, blah, blah. Right. And then there's like chickens who are maybe stuffed with like hormones or whatever to lay more eggs, you know, things like that. 
um, versus, you know, your organic free range and, you know, all this um, other stuff. So some people do it for that reason, too, not just for the taste, right? Oh, totally. And I'm not saying I'm a good person. I'm just saying that, like, I I never really thought, like, it's interesting. Uh, I've heard a lot of people comment, like, like, almost, like, shocked that I'm like, I don't care about factory farming food. I don't care about, like, the, all that stuff. And I don't know if I can maybe even discern the difference. I don't know. Like if you gave me a factory farmed salmon versus a wild caught salmon, I don't know if I'd necessarily be able to tell. I think a lot of it depends on how it's, how the food is made, but some foods definitely shine a little more than the others. Like I will say fresh, like garden grown tomatoes are just a world of a difference than like any tomato you could buy at a grocery store. Like that, I'll say I can I can eat. Uh, I mean, man, I I remember the first time I've had one of those tomatoes, and I was like blown away. It was night and day difference. Um, never tasted tomato like that in my life. The sweetness, the the juiciness, like uncomparable, right? Yeah. So that is something I could tell. But you're right. Like meats, maybe probably not. You know, like between like uh you know a. Uh, Organic meats versus non-organic, yeah, I probably can't tell, right? So, from a taste perspective, I, yeah. Well, that also gets into the the calories per dollar, like classic thing. Like, if you start buying free range chicken breasts, and then you start buying like all these other, uh, you know, nicer, higher quality ingredients, before you know it, like your lunch is suddenly like you know eight nine dollars. Like it gets much more expensive. Uh, and it's like, well, at that price, I might as well be going out. Cause like, you've never thought for a second when you went out to eat where that food came from, you know, like, <laughs> like, like you never thought for a second, like, is this, uh, I mean, unless you're having farm to table and maybe you do, I don't know, but like, I haven't certainly. <laughs> so I don't know what to say. Yeah, that's true. No, I mean, we, we pretty much, we rarely buy organic. There was a time when we, you know, consistently bought like organic milk but i think right now we're just we're a lot more cost conscious like and i will say since carolina's done a really good job consistently now to just like doing these um weekly meal plans uh she found an app by the way that's fantastic where the app essentially somehow you you just paste in the url of a recipe you know, a link that you found a recipe in, you paste yeah. in the URL into the app, it automatically pulls out the ingredients needed for that and adds it to your groceries list. And uh, it's genius, right? Um, and then it stores and saves the recipe for you too. So you can also, you know, actually cook looking that up and, and all that stuff. So what I was getting at is that it's a tool that has helped her with her weekly meal plans and also has helped her just to like make all these crazy things, right? Also for for her birthday, uh, my parents got her an instant pot, um, so now we finally have an instant pot. And like, seems like I'm so excited about it. She's making yogurt right now. We made pho the other day. Ooh, you can fantastic. do pho in there. I never thought about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, have you made rice yet? How do you feel about it as a rice cooker? Well, no, because Carolina's the master rice chef with just a regular pot like <laughs> it's not that hard actually with a regular pot but she does a great job she doesn't need to use an instant pot for it and it feels like it's a little overkill for rice but but that said maybe maybe we should give it a try maybe it'll make even better rice i find it makes um, excellent rice 
Yeah. I mean, I like Carolina's rice on the pot, so... But it's more like, how do I make, you know, the ability to make a chili that would otherwise take, like, six hours and instead takes, like, less than an hour, that's the magic part, right? That's the whole pressurized stuff. So, we'll see. The one my parents got us also has sous vide. So, I'm like, oh, like, I mean, it's an A-court, right? So, it's not oh. that small. So, I'm like, oh, this is a good, good amount of space in there. Maybe we can try the sous vide function, but... It's sous vide. Yeah, man. As a yogurt maker, sous vide. I mean, the yogurt is, maker is a which big one is gimmicky, this? but got rid of the box. Um, it's a Duo Evo Plus or Evo Duo Duo Evo. I don't remember what, but nine and one, baby. So many things, so many features, including yogurt. Which is funny because a box says ten and one, but yeah. Anyways, um. sous vide. <laughs> no joke. It has a sous vide button. I wonder if mine has a sous vide button. It has almost every other button on here. It might. But this is crazy. It has a whole screen. It has different, like, options. Oh, wow. It's definitely more advanced than mine. Yeah. So, anyways, um, what I was trying to get at is with the Instant Pot, like, there's just a whole, a lot a lot of things with the meal planning that Carolina's been doing has just been a huge cost savings for us. And, like, we've actually, we have not overspent our monthly budget on food in, a, in like, the last three months now. Which has never happened. We always Dude, overspend our it's food the pandemic. budget. Don't even don't even start. I, I, I it's not fair. Three yeah, months. It's, it's, it's not eating out as much. It's not eating out as much. Uh, yeah, 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 you're right. I mean, neither but have like, we. Neither have we. We've also been better on our food. But budget. the meal planning. But like, here's the thing. I think even post pandemic, like we're gonna keep trying this whole meal planning thing. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, sure. Yeah, we're gonna do this. I think I think we actually started meal planning before the pandemic. But you're right. I mean, it kind of hit around the same time. So my hope is that we can kind of keep this up. We'll we'll cook more. We'll keep cooking more. Hopefully, we can cook for people again because yeah. that's that's also the other you part. Miss I that, miss. Yeah. I'm like really into smoking now, and I'm like, dude, smoked meats is the best thing to share with people. And unfortunately, this is not the right time to do it. And but this is when I'm getting into smoked meats right now. So, uh, man. Oh, this is interesting. So I was looking into it. A sous vide features new, right? That's that's a new feature to these uh, line of product. B, fascinating. I bought the, my sous vide on my birthday four years ago. I didn't realize that. I, didn't, I forgot that it was a birthday purchase. And I've since confirmed while sitting at my desk because I was looking at my Amazon orders uh, that my Instapot does not offer the sous vide technology. Yeah, no, I think my parents just got like the latest and greatest um, Instapot. So I got the Instapot before it was cool. I, I got the Instapot it. before like all the influencers uh or, or instant potting uh, yeah but yeah mine mine has a soup broth meat stew bean chili poultry steam porridge multigrain and rice button yogurt uh, wow. yogurt and saute as well slow cook pressure cook yeah yours is far more advanced mine has a uh 10 segment led uh or eight segment cave <laughs> count or no seven segment jesus I have seven segment LEDs, four of them to sell the time, and you've got this whole uh, LED screen. Uh, it's uh, it's they're not it's not a full LED. I will say that it's still very much like pre. Uh, I don't know what they're called. Like no, I think the text. A, yeah, no, that, the text like, is still kind of pre-programmed there. They just light up when they're actually selected and things like that. Yeah, I think it's yeah. actually that's still technically LED, but I don't know. Yeah, it's a like. 
I know what you're talking about that. I, yeah, I just don't want people to think like it's a full like custom like no. screen. It's not touch. No touch screen. Microprocessor. Yeah, that's. It's not a. It's not rendering like graphics. You yeah. know, or anything like that. It's not doing that. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's cool, man. That's nice. Yeah, and they and they've gotten bigger since I uh I got mine. I think back when I got mine it was like six quart was the biggest you could get. Eight quart, mm, I think yeah. eight quart. That's that's uh, two more quarts, and that's not trivial. Like, yeah, give me the that's quarts. Thirty three point three 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 percent more. <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, for for Carolina and I, like um, you know, just with the family, like we had to get eight quarts. That was the one thing I told my parents. I was like, I did kind of hint at my to my mom. I was like. Well, you know, an Instapot would be kind of nice for because my mom was bugging me about what to get um, Carolina. I was like, okay, I mean, we don't have an Instapot, and if you really need something, not that we need any more kitchen gadgets, but you always need more kitchen gadgets. And then the one caveat, I was like, but if you do get an Instapot, it's got to be an eight quart because we're we eat a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, our family eats a lot. Family, that's two quarts per person. One last, one last thing, man. Guess what I got recently? In the kitchen. Uh, thermometer? No, a Chemex. I'm oh, fi- yeah. I'm finally a proud owner of a Chemex. It's pretty great. I think it's my new favorite way to make a coffee. I've been drinking more coffee yeah. because of it, because I feel like ridiculous making just a single cup <laughs> in my Chemex. How, so how does this stack up compared to the AeroPress? I mean, I think I might like it more or similar. similar. It, it matters a lot on your... Uh, technique so like the uh i noticed that the chemex recipe is definitely a higher water to uh bean ratio like i think their water to bean ratio is about 25 to 1 uh because i like measured everything that they said but also like weighed it you know so i used their measurements but weighed it and i was like oh it's like 25 to 1 and then other people will tell you like do 15 to 1 and if you do like an error press an error press can be closer to 15 to 1 so you're saying you can stretch out your beans a little longer for Chemex. You can, but it's also like you get a little bit of a different taste because like, you know, at the end of the day, it's still the same amount of beans. If you're trying to get the exact same taste out of both of them, I think the yeah, I do a similar ratio, but it's, it's a lot more, it's a lot more theater when you do the Chemex cause you get the bloom like, and it's a much more noticeable bloom just because mm-hmm. of the way the, the beans are kind of in there. Whereas like in the AeroPress, like the bloom is not as like dramatic. Like you don't see the actual grounds like bubble up and 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 actually like expand, whereas in the uh, Chemex huh. you always see that. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. How about just like custom customizability? I don't know your ability to customize your coffee making because like I feel like that was always one of the things that drew us to Aeropress was sort of like. I mean, hell, you had that freaking uh, world championship app with like a bajillion different ways to make AeroPress, you know, like that was a huge selling point and why we liked it. And, you know, you can always kind of say, oh, I think this one, this one definitely does taste a little different if you do it this way, right? Yeah, the turbulence <laughs> um, But method. like, yeah, the turbulence method, yeah. Anyways, I mean, like, have you found the Chemex to be just as kind of like exciting from that perspective or like, ooh, I can try this different, try doing it this way differently? Or is it pretty kind of just like, okay, there's one way to do it? It's a good question. I haven't really dived into Chemex lore. I haven't like looked into it too much other than to know that there's these ratios. A lot of people like talking about ratios in the Chemex world. That's where that 15 to 1 comes from. And 
you'll see a whole different like you know there's like holy wars over like 14 15 and 16 to 1 uh you know these mm, ratios mm, and i'm mm. like whatever uh but I, yeah i don't know because at the end of the day there's also like the question of like the heat of your coffee so like um they recommend yeah. they recommend using anywhere between i think like 196 and 204 temperature water so like that's much hotter water than air presser recommends so uh Hmm, you know hmm. that that changes things too so there's a lot of variables i mean i haven't like you know i've only had this thing for like a week now two weeks two weeks i've had it and uh i've probably only used it like four or five times now and that's high <laughs> you know like uh only like hmm. a couple times have i like actually really used it where the other times i'm like oh i'm like making myself a cup of coffee i'm not like trying to think too hard about it like i wasn't I wasn't experimenting as much. I was just like following a procedure I had done before, you know, which yeah. is basically how my air pressing is now. My air pressing is not really an adventure anymore. Like I found my, my technique I like, and I don't change it too much. Yeah. That's kind of how I do it with AeroPress too, but I don't even use the AeroPress as much anymore. We pretty much just use our Mocha master for, for even just single. I mean, yeah, single serving, but I, I wonder if the temperature thing, the recommended temperature, is different for AeroPress because of the pressure, just of how you're sort of pressurizing it, you know, through the grinds as yeah. you press. I don't know. Because in the Mocha Master, it also says, like, when it's uh, one of, like, why a lot of people like it, too, is that it's actually heating the temperature up to the recommended level, which is, like, like you said, like, it's, like, 202, or I forget the exact number. There's some, like, governing body of coffee people yeah i don't know that they recommend like this number um so i don't know that so they actually heat it up to that um and and that's also a similar thing right it's more or less also i mean it's a pour over drip drip coffee at the end of the day it's they're all kind of similar techniques you're you're just leveraging gravity well i mean there's two types of, of coffee making you have the percolation and the uh immersion Right. Yeah. So, like, right. um, a French press and an AeroPress, they're immersion because the water and the grounds are like living in a chamber for a while. Well, I guess AeroPress can also be percolating because it matters on how you do it if you do it inverted versus not. I don't know, but I, I feel like you'd have a third kind, wouldn't you, with like espresso? It's, I don't see that as either immersion or percolating. I mean, that's very much shove water through very tightly compacted coffee. It should be still percolating. That's percolating? Because it's still like pouring through. Okay. I guess in my mind, percolating just sounds like you're you're just letting gravity do its thing. Whereas like espresso, you're very much pushing. You, you've got a lot of pressure yeah. pushing that's the water point. through. But that's a good point. Mm, maybe that's espresso. That's just the third variant, like you said. And it's not. Yeah, that's fair. But um, any, anyways... It's a uh, it's a little different. It's a lot of interesting math. I, I like I like doing the. You see how much water gets caught in the uh, the grounds because even after it's like fully drained out, if you measure it, it's it's like you've lost water to the grounds because it's absorbed. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's it's, a, it's been an interesting. I, I've been using my uh, kitchen scale a lot more to figure it out because it doesn't have like the nice lines as as much. But actually, fun fact about the. Uh, Chemex is actually it does have some some guiding lines so it has that little nipple a little bulb on it and that's the halfway point and then like right underneath the collar is the quote-unquote full point and then you can just adjust your grounds accordingly so it's like they use the tablespoon metric you can do three tablespoons or six tablespoons and then you have 
at least for mine because it's a mm. six six cup uh six six five ounce cups <laughs> which i'm like yep. the cup is eight ounces like what's going on here <laughs> <laughs> what kind of shit math is this uh because i thought at first like i was like oh man six cups this is huge and then i was like oh six five ounce cups it's like that's not the same that that's the full capacity is that what you're saying like yeah it, it full holds, capacity is it's 30 it, ounces yeah oh okay of this chemex which is like your your bog standard chemex size that is like the standard size you can get bigger ones but like the standard one that you normally see is is this size six cup yeah okay but yeah no it's been great i've been uh enjoying the coffee it's it's a new it's a new fun thing to play with nice oh you know what uh we also bought listen to this hmm. rachel's been asking for cold brew and of course like i couldn't just do the hot to cold brew i had to do legitimate cold brew so i went and bought a a cold brew apparatus uh that should be coming oh, yeah? soon yeah i got the uh the oxo one ah uh, yes that's a classic one uh <laughs> Was that a was that what um does Wirecutter recommend one? That is the Wirecutter recommendation. Yes, I I, I read a lot because uh, of course. I mean, of if, course. It's, if it's coffee, it's coming in to the house. It has to be it has to be good. I mean, there was a there was chatter of just doing the little like filter like thingamabobber that you like just like f- put all the grounds in and then you like dunk it in and pull the it out. Toddy or I, oh no no, no. you're thinking of. No, there's like basically like these like mason jar techniques where like you just fill like a, ah. a jar of water and then you like put this like thing in it and then you pull it out and then like there you go. Oh, I guess like one thing that blew Rachel away about the cold brew is like you don't actually like brew it cold per se. You just it's not hot. No, it's room temperature. Yeah, because yeah. she was like it has to fit in the fridge and I'm like no, actually it doesn't. Explicit. No, no, if you put it in the fridge, it actually takes longer. I mean, you could do it. It just it's a longer brewing time then. Yeah so but yeah we got the oxo good grip it should be here any day now i think it's supposed to be here tomorrow so yeah dude uh i was uh i was so nervous so like that pen that pen i showed you right the pen i ordered the blue one that one apparently um was it's it's selling like hotcakes like it's sold it was sold out at our local store that i always ship from um always like i've been doing this for a long time um like uh (laughs) it was sold out apparently in like the first three hours and then they got a second shipment right and that sold out you know in less than a day so i would i finally managed to find one in stock but it's at this other store that's like based in houston texas anyways i ordered it from there it's shipping it was supposed to get here yesterday but as soon as i noticed like after more than one day when it did not have a status update in the tracking symbol i was like "Uh oh it's arriving late something's bad usually you get some kind of a status like some kind of scan update every day right yeah Um, but since i knew that i was like oh something's happened sure enough like the last status was like this past weekend right and wednesday Uh nothing right and i'm like no scan status i'm thinking like "Uh oh definitely lost now which would have been nightmare because i was like I was literally when the, when the when the local store got it a second shipment, I was ready to order it right from there as a backup, and then I oh, would have returned the other one. But then would have to deal with returning an extra one, and I was like, okay, you know what? I'm just gonna be patient, and I'll just wait for it because it's gonna happen. And then of course, like now, then I was panicking 
that you know all this is all this panicking over a freaking pen uh, but right. i was like damn it it's 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 lost and now i now nobody sells it anymore and i'm gonna have to wait again for another shipment and but anyways it, it did i did get finally it's in linthicum heights it, it did get it if it got scanned today so i'm like okay it's not lost the national your national <laughs> still in the system. yeah 